welcome back. It's episode six of The Build. Thanks for tuning back in. Um, last week, we covered what I thought the Canadians were going to do at the 2022 trade deadline. Today, uh, as the deadline has passed, it's time to grade the work of Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon as they uh, tackled their first trade deadline with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, a very important one, I thought. I think, you know, it's sort of not only for this show and trying to figure out what this team wants to do moving forward, but just to sort of set the tone for the kinds of assets the Canadians find valuable. Um, so this will be a quick one because I don't think that there's a whole lot of extrapolating to be done on the moves that have been made. As I've said since the beginning, I'm not a prospect expert. I'm not going to pretend to be a prospect expert. So any of the prospects they picked up, I'm not going to have much to add on them, unfortunately. Um, hoping to have some people on in the future that can help, um, you know, make heads or tails of who the Canadians got, um, where they see them slotting in in NHL spots. But that guy is not me. So we'll get one of those people on here eventually. Um, but for now, you know, let's I wanted to start by, you know, kind of unpacking our expectations over the last week or so, at least my expectations. Um, Kent Hughes, for what it's worth, is a very vocal general manager when it comes to speaking to the media. He, I think, in you know the time that he's been with the Montreal Canadiens, has spoken to the media more than any other general manager I've ever seen, uh, at least for the Canadians, that is. So we have a lot to go off of when it comes to deciding what it is he wants to do with this team. And it helps level set our expectations as fans, and it helps us grade his performance. Um, I'll get into grades later. I don't necessarily like that word, but it is what it is. So what were my expectations heading into the deadline day itself? I, I think they were pretty low. You know, when Tyler Toffoli was traded, and we'll get into that a little bit more later, there was a, there was some people who thought that that meant a rebuild. And I've been very clear on that since the beginning, since that trade happened, that I didn't think that trade meant the Canadians are rebuilding. I, I, I think the Canadians saw an opportunity there to get some assets for a guy who's not going to be around while the Canadians are competitive again, which is after the two-year window that we would have had him this season and next. So it was never a rebuild trade. And that tracks with what Kent Hughes has said. He said this isn't going to be a fire sale. And it wasn't. Um, we'll get into the moves a little bit more, but he played hardball on the market, I think. And I think he played it very well. I was a, I was very, very worried, especially with the Ben Sherratt deal, that he was going to overplay his hand. And in no case did he do so. We were hearing this entire time that the trade deadline was a buyer's market. And what that means is the buyers, the teams who are trying to, to go for a run at the Stanley Cup, they have the advantage over the teams like Montreal, Ottawa, Arizona, because for some reason people thought that because the situation had been solidified, the playoffs, I mean, the playoff races are especially in the East, are basically solidified. The eight teams that are in the playoffs in the East are going to make it. But at the same time, the eight teams in the East who aren't in the playoffs, we know they're not going to make it. So there's just as many sellers as there are buyers. 
I never understood the idea that this was a buyer's market. And Kent Hughes, the value that he got back, I think shows that. Um, but he was he had players that he didn't he wasn't shopping. I don't think he was shopping anybody except Jeff Petrie, who's he's been Ken Hughes has been very open about trying to find a deal for Jeff Petrie. I think he was shopping Shea Weber's uh, cap hit because I think it would be advantageous for the Canadians to possibly get out from underneath that, both from a financial situation, if they're not going to use that long-term injured reserve, um, you might as well get out from under it. But also, it's, I think from a, not morale standpoint, but from a philosophical standpoint, that that era of the Canadians is being left behind. Um, so he had some guys that, that I'm sure lots and lots and lots of teams called on, but he just, he held firm on his prices. He said that he, he has prices for these players. If you meet them, the player is yours. Um, he, he wasn't playing games with people, although it was funny in his post trade deadline press conference. Um, he mentioned that, you know, a general manager said to him, you know, when, when, when Ken Hughes said to the general manager, oh, well, the, the salary cap matters, he, the general manager said something back to him along the lines of, that's the first time in your career you've ever thought that, um, obviously alluding to his previous career as an agent. So with all of that said, you know, I know the trade deadline just passed and there's lots of focus on just the day or the last 48 hours of moves, but I also think it's it's pretty important to look at you know, the totality of Kent Hughes's trade since he got here. And it's funny that they kind of bookend on, on one player. Um, so I, I want to go through the seven deals that he's made since he joined the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and, you know, kind of thinking of them all as pre-trade deadline moves because the Canadian situation didn't change much from then until now. Um, and then decide what we what I think of 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 those moves. Are the Canadians in a better spot? You know, what's the what's the direction of has the direction of this team changed? So we'll go all the way back to his first trade um, with the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Ken Hughes sent Brandon Baddock to Minnesota for goaltender Andrew Hammond. Um, he needed a goalie with the Canadians just absolutely getting decimated with injuries in net and he got one um there's something to be said about finding goaltending in this nhl in the nhl even if it costs you an asset i know brandon baddock isn't exactly the the most valuable asset but he is an asset like he's he's something he's he's value to the team to the ahl i i saw him play um I saw him play in Hartford not too long ago, and you know he was noticeable on the ice. You know he's not not an NHLer, but definitely AHL value. There's something to be said about finding a goaltender when you need a goaltender, and I I don't I, I'll just come out and say it like the Toronto Maple Leafs have continuously messed that up. Just over the last 48 hours, they messed it up again. They signed a European player, Harry Sateri, maybe I'm Harry Sateri. I, I can't. I don't know how to pronounce his name, unfortunately. But in doing so, he needed to clear uh, entry waivers. And sure enough, the first team on those entry waivers was the Arizona Coyotes, and they claimed him. So, you know, while while you can say that, that Hammond trade doesn't really move the needle, the Canadians needed a goalie, and Kent Hughes got them a goalie. Um, you know, at some point in, in his post- Trade deadline press conference, Ken Hughes said of Andrew Hammond, 
quote, we were in deep waters and we owed him a great debt of gratitude, obviously alluding to a trade that we'll talk about later, but the Habs are in trouble. Hammond comes in, wins every game that he plays, and then, you know, obviously he's gone now, but they found a goalie who helped not only help the Canadians win games, but allowed other goalies, like allowed Caden Primo to go back down to Laval, which I think he desperately needs to do. Um, so, you know, as much as that's kind of a minor trade, I think it has wider implications for if Kent Hughes sees that the team needs something, he's going to go out and get it. That won't pay dividends right now just because the, the stakes are so low. But ultimately, that's going to matter, you know, at the trade deadline when the Canadians are in the buyer's position, if he keeps that same mentality. So that was his first trade. His second trade was a doozy, uh, Tyler Toffoli of whom I own a Montreal Canadiens jersey of, is sent to the Calgary Flames for Tyler Pitlick, the cousin of Rem Pitlick, who the Canadiens picked up on waivers earlier. Um, Emil Heineman, he's a second-round pick out of Florida, already on his, this is his third NHL team owning his rights. A 2022 first-round pick, which is conditional. There's there's lottery protection, which is stupid because the Calgary Flames are probably going to win two rounds in the playoffs at at, at least. Uh, a 2023 fifth and a 2024 conditional fourth. Um, as I've said, that this wasn't a rebuild trade. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people see that first round draft pick and they think they automatically assume great, like really, really good value. I was a little more bullish on it. I, I think it's fine. It's a fine trade. The Canadians didn't lose. I think that they did okay. Which is fine. You don't have to blow every trade out of the water. Sometimes you have to lose a trade in order to get a piece that you want. I think that he did fine here. I don't know Emil Haneman very well. You know, people who know prospects seem to, to, to think of him as a lower-end forward, bottom six potential. Um, we'll see, obviously. I think, I think it's important to realize that the Canadians, you know, they spoke very highly of him. They seemed he seemed to be a player that the Canadians wanted to acquire. So that was good value for Toffoli. And, and they get out from under that cap hit. They can spend that money next year. Um, as there seems to be this idea that the Canadians are going to be aggressive in free agency. I don't I don't know how much I agree with that idea, nor do I think it'll it'll happen to the extent people are worried it'll happen. But it's still something to be to, to think of whenever a cap hit is moved out. Uh, back to another sort of this one I really think of as an almost nothing trade. Michael McNiven, goaltender, goes to Calgary for future considerations. I think this was just Kent Hughes doing a, doing Michael McNiven a favor. He was, you know, lost in the goaltending picture in Montreal. Despite all of the injuries, he still couldn't find his way, and he was then injured himself. He was having a pretty poor season. I think he had requested a trade at some point. I don't remember if that was out there. Um, but he, you know... And, you know, the, the Canadians in the past did not have a great grasp on their goaltending picture. The pipeline was really, really weird. Um, you know, obviously, Carey Price is still the number one guy. Even right now, he's still being considered the number one guy. Jake Allen is the backup. Caden Primo is the starter in waiting. You, We thought, I, I think I'm, I'm less and less on that train now. Um, but... You know, McNiven could never really find a spot, especially when 
you know, during the early stages of his development, the Canadians didn't have an ECHL affiliate to put another goaltender. So he was constantly being loaned to other teams, or at least that was the only way they could find him ice time somewhere else. So McNiven wanted out. Hughes, I can't imagine he had a ton of attachment to the player that he didn't draft or develop or anything. So he went to Calgary. And actually today at the deadline, he was dealt to um, Ottawa. So he's now in the Senators organization. I don't think that'll come back to bite the Canadians. Maybe it does. Who knows? Um, but, you know, it's. I think it was nice of, of Hughes to find another home for that player. Um, a, a trend that we will see before the end of this, this trade list. Um, trade four. So we're, this is, we've over the halfway mark of uh, Kent Hughes' trades. We have the big one. Ben Sherratt goes to Florida for Taj Smilanich, I believe is how that's pronounced. Um, he was a third-round draft pick by the Florida Panthers. I don't know what the Canadians know about the Florida Panthers drafting, but both Smilanich and Haneman were drafted by the Florida Panthers. Um, so Smilanich, a 2022 fourth and a 2023 first-round pick. Um, I think at this point you've probably been beaten over the head with it. That's insane value for Ben Schrott. Um, obviously, the the smart hockey men, the trusted hockey men, see a ton of value in Ben Schrott. He's a guy that eats a lot of minutes, but he's also a guy where when you look at his underlying numbers and even some of the overlying numbers, you wonder why he's eating all of those minutes. Um, you know, I, I, Ben Schrott is is you know, there's only so many guys who get to play hockey in the National Hockey League. He's definitely one of them. Like he's an NHL player. I don't I don't have any sort of qualms about that. Just the the way that the 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 previous um the previous regime and you know the rest of the I'll just say the previous regime pump and dumped Ben Sherat is kind of insane. You know, like when he was acquired, we knew what he was. Like at best, a third-pairing defenseman um, who could penalty kill for you, who could lay the body. But, you know, at times, the he was allergic to the puck. Like, he just didn't want it on his stick. He would have these weird forays up the ice where, like, once or twice, you know, a month, he just... He'd just take the puck for a skate into the offensive zone, and you'd wonder where he'd be going. I, I mean, I don't. I'm not gonna harp on him the whole time. I promise. There were like watching Ben Sherratt decide when to pinch for a puck in the offensive zone has shaved years off my life. Like, especially in the playoffs, like in the bubble, and in the playoffs after that, like watching him try to decide whether or not he wants to pinch for a puck in the offensive zone. He always made the wrong decision with the puck. He takes way too many penalties and a lot of them bad ones. Um, so all of that to say the fact that the fact that Kent Hughes was able to get a prospect, a warm body, a fourth round pick, and then a 2023 first. Now, everyone is saying that the, the, the 2023 draft is a lot deeper than the 2022 draft. So to get all of that for a player that I just said all of that other stuff about is phenomenal. 
is there a general manager in the league who could have finessed that deal as well? Yeah, yeah, of course, because there's a there's there are GMs who are trying to acquire this player, right? Like that that value is league value. There are players, there are teams in the league who were willing to pay that value. Florida is just the one that made the most sense to the Canadians. Um, you know, they said, you know, if or I think it was Ben Schrott in his post trade press conference, he said, you know, if if Kent Hughes wanted him back, he'd sign here in the summer. Please very do not do that. <laughs> Just don't do that. I, we can have things once. It's fine. And I've said this about Ben Sherratt in the past, too. I don't think you need a Ben Sherratt on your team. I don't. I certainly don't think you need to trade a first-round pick for him. But if you're going to have one, have one. You and that was that was my that was always my biggest problem. I talked about it on Game Over Montreal with Andrew Berkshire. You know, I had no problem with Sherratt in a vacuum. Do I want him on my team? No. But if you're gonna have him have one, and he didn't Mark Bergerman did not just have one, he had Sherratt, and then the next summer he traded draft picks for Joel Edmondson and brought him in and then signed him to the same contract. And then the next summer, they brought in David Savard and signed him to the, almost the same contract, except minus the trade protection, and he added a fourth year to it. You can have one Ben Sherat. Do not get carried away with yourself. He is very handsome. I it, like. I, that's cool. The guys seem to like him. It and, that, and you know that stuff matters as much as we all. We all joke about oh locker room guys and, and things of that nature to quote the, the 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 David Roth tweet. But you know you can't be trading first round picks for guys like Ben Sherat and expect to have that pay off for you. So best of luck to the Florida Panthers. I'll be rooting for them, you know, this year and then next year. We'll hope that they absolutely bottom out. I hope that you know. I hope that they all stay healthy, and yet they still have the worst record in the National Hockey League. All right. So long, Ben. Uh, this one was, this next one, I'm going in chronological order as far as when they were finally announced. Um, this next one was weird because, I, so I was watching it on ESPN. I live in the States. That's the, bro- they, they started off with Trade Center from TSN on ESPN+. Plus. They started us with that, I think, at noon. They flipped over to ESPN, which was just awful. It's just it's just awful. I love Emily Kaplan. I love Kevin Weeks. The rest of them can go away. <laughs> and the rest of it was John Bucigross, who was just a 14-year-old boy in a grown-ass man's body. To give you guys I don't if you didn't watch it on ESPN, at what like the at one point, like Emily Kaplan's like trying to break trades. Kevin Weeks is trying to break trades, and John Bucciagross has them pull out chicken parm and pasta for them to eat, and they make this big deal about eat. like it's it's frustrating. And I I promise this tangent will end. It's frustrating to watch the main rights holder in the United States not care about the sport in any meaningful way. Like it's just bizarre. Anyway, where was I even going with? Okay, so. They're, they're headed to commercial, and Kevin Weeks, right as they're heading to commercial, the music is playing like they're about to leave for an ad, and he says, Nick Letty is going to St. Louis, and he says, 
lekking into Colorado. And then it goes just goes to commercial. And I was like, you're leaving to... You're going to commercial right as two huge trades happen? And the Arturi Lekkinen trade ends up being a huge trade. So here it is. Uh, Arturi Lekkinen with 50% of his salary retained heads to Colorado for Justin Barron. He was a 2020 uh, first-round pick, 25th overall by the Colorado Avalanche, uh, right-hand shot defenseman, and a 2024 second. So again, that's a guy that, that Hughes did not want to trade, and yet managed to trade him, managed to finesse a really, really valuable return out of him. That's insane value. Not in the same way that it was for Ben Sherratt, but it's insane value just in the sense that Montreal gets essentially a first-round pick from two years ago in Justin Barron and and a second two years from now. Now, Colorado's probably still going to be pretty good two years from now, but two years from now. like That's an asset that the Canadians can use to move up in in a in a closer draft to acquire a player when they're trying to compete again like maybe in 23-24 they're pushing for a playoff spot and that second round pick can help them acquire a defenseman that gets them that gets them over the hump or or just provides them a little bit of depth I shouldn't say gets them over the hump I don't expect them to be anywhere near <laughs> the hump at that point in their development but and in Justin Barron, they get, I think they 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 start to restock an organizational need for right-hand shot defensemen. Justin Barron, again, I'm not a prospects guy. I had seen people, I, I had seen reviews on him all over the place that he's a, a top four potential puck-moving defenseman who can skate really well. I saw some people call him a, you know, a third-pairing defenseman, and that's sort of where he's to- he tops out. So... It's tough to tell. Again, he's 20. Like that we won't know what he is, especially with defensemen, like they take a long time to figure out what they are. Hopefully the Canadians will will have the development, you know, apparatus in place to bring him along properly. He's been assigned to the AHL to play with Laval cuz he was in Colorado's um uh, AHL affiliate at the time of the trade. This one, well, I love the value um I'm going to miss Arturi Lackanen a whole lot. I'm probably going to get a Colorado Avalanche jersey because I don't have one yet, and that's a pretty good excuse to get one. Um, it's tough. Like, less than a year ago, Arturi Lackanen scored the goal to send the Montreal Canadiens to the Stanley Cup final. And here we are, not even a year later, and we're sellers at a trade deadline. And, you know, as much as I'm optimistic about the future of this team, it's still a very big question mark moving forward. Arturi Lekkinen, I had always thought he was going to be part of the solution in Montreal. I think a lot of people did. Um, and, and not for, you know, frivolous reasons. Not just because he scored that goal. That goal is a very big emotional part of... of being a fan of this team, but so is Arturi Lekkinen, the player. Um, I I have seldom seen a player with the motor that Arturi Lekkinen has. I mean, that guy is, and I've said, I think I've said this before. I, I might have said it on Game Over with Andrew Berkshire. He's the most annoying forechecker I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Play for the Canadians, that is. Like he just, he doesn't quit. Colorado is a very smart team. Joe Sackick has built that team the right way. They're deep all the way down. He's going to be a bit player, 
But I think that's where Arturi Lekkonen succeeds. You know, he's going to, he, he'll probably penalty kill for them. He's not going to see power play time. He just started to see power play time in Montreal, and that's because our power play is terrible. But he's not going to see that. He'll chip in secondary scoring. I mean, in a good year, 12, 13 goals. And they've got him. He's a restricted free agent, so he'll be, they can at least, you know, get his qualifying offer for next year. I believe he's arbitration eligible, so that might cause some issues if Colorado's cap strapped. But we'll see because they're probably moving on from Nazem Kadri. It might free up some money there. But, you know, I, I you are forgiven for feeling sad about this trade, regardless of how you feel about the future of it. This is hard because they are closing a door on a previous iteration of the Canadians. Kent Hughes does not owe us any of those warm, fuzzy feelings. He wasn't here for them. Neither was Jeff Gordon. They do not owe us any of that. You know, we've got the YouTube videos. We'll, we'll go back and watch. But I will, like, you. it's hard watching that goal now, knowing that the only two players on the ice for that goal who are left are Brendan Gallagher and Carey Price. And it seems like those are the two guys who, you know, will continuously say the last, the only two players from X time are Brendan Gallagher and Carey Price. Because there's just not enough guys there. Like, they're, they're all being shipped out. It's really, you know, and I'm not saying Lekkonen is a rebuild canary in the coal mine. I've used that term a bunch. But he's certainly an indication that the Canadians are really looking for value. And if the, you come to them with the right value for something, that player is yours. Um, I bet that they had a price on guys like Josh Anderson. And I bet teams just didn't meet it. And those conversations were probably very short. With Arturi Lekkinen, I feel like at that cap hit, at that length of you know the, the, his current contract and the rights that you would own on him afterwards, yeah, that price is steep to pay for him. That's uh, you know a player who was a first round pick, a second round pick, and a second round pick um, in 2024. That's a steep price to pay. But for a player like Arturi Lekkinen, you can talk yourself into that deal real easy. And I said it. I think I said it last week. If a play, if a team is coming to you for Brett Kulak, or if a team is coming to you for Arturi Lekkinen, you have to ask yourself why. Like, why do they want this player? It's because that player is probably really good, and he's probably underpaid for what he does, and his value in the market is probably much lower than than what his play actually provides for a hockey team. I think a lot of smart teams were in after Arturi Lekkinen. I think, you know, Kent Hughes has said up until 1 o'clock, they thought they were going to keep him. That's when the deal really materialized between Montreal and Colorado, apparently. You know, I wonder how much Colorado was in on Claude Giroux, and once they missed him, they're like, ah, we, we have to add something. So they go and get a guy like Arturi Lekkinen. They're not similar players, Giroux and Lekkinen, but Lekkinen does add a lot of positive value to that team. So... That's another guy that I'm I'm really rooting for. Um, he'll he's it sucks that it he's he's not in Montreal anymore, but he is in a he's on a fantastic team. He's got a really really good chance at not only winning a Stanley Cup, but being an effective player on a Stanley Cup winning team. I'm really look, I'm gonna watch the Colorado Avalanche a lot in the playoffs. That's that should be loads of fun. Um. So back to 
Kent Hughes' trades. I'll move on to his sixth deal. And it involves Andrew Hammond, the first player he acquired for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, he goes to the New Jersey Devils for uh, forward prospect Nathan Schar. Um, he's current Schnarr, I think, actually. Nathan Schnarr. Um, he's in the AHL. He was playing for Utica. He'll go to the AHL and help out Laval in their playoff push. Um, so essentially it's almost, I mean, if you, if you consider Andrew or Nathan Schnarr and, and Brandon Baddock equal assets, I don't know how much of that's true. You essentially just borrowed Andrew Hammond for a few games and sent him to another NHL team. Um, and really that was, that was Kent Hughes doing Hammond a solid. Hammond came to Montreal to a team that was not playing very well. I think the fan base really embraced having Hammond for the short time he was here. It was just kind of a nice to have. Um, and, you know, he, Kent Hughes said that he wanted to make sure that Hammond got the chance to play in the NHL again this season. He think that he thought that he's earned that. And I thought about why that was, and I can't really put my finger on it. Because let's say you waive him. Why wouldn't New Jersey, if they wanted him, why wouldn't New Jersey just claim him? Now they gave up an asset for him. I'm not, I'm not, you know, picking apart his argument, but I'm, cu- I'm curious as to the, the process of that. Like, why, why did it have to play out that way? But at any rate, he finds him an NHL job. I'm actually going to that game next weekend, uh, the New Jersey Montreal game. I don't know if Hammond will play. Um, it's a shame too because he just got new pads. He debuted a new helmet in practice. Um, oh, and also a reminder. So. Kent Hughes at some point had said, you know, the he wasn't planning on trading a goalie. Um, I'm trying to find the exact tweet. Uh, this is this is live podcasting. Um, he said he wasn't looking to trade a goaltender, and you know, friend of the show, uh, K at Line Composition tweeted. I think people, this this was on March 17th, Kay tweeted, I think people sometimes, uh, I think people forget sometimes the GMs can do this thing using this little trick I like to call lying. Uh, and I don't know if Kenny Hughes was lying to us, but again, we we do, she's right, Kay is right. Like, we, like, Mark Bergevin used to lie to us every time he sat down in front of us, and it was still surprising every time he did the opposite of what he said he was going to do. Like Kent Hughes was probably working on a deal to move a goaltender out just because there seems to be this prevailing thought that Carey Price is coming back soon. You know, if you have Carey Price coming back, Jake Allen, everyone slides down a spot because he's the top dog. So Allen goes to backup. Primo goes to the AHL. Montembeau probably goes on waivers, and I don't know if he clears. I bet he does just because those numbers aren't great. But he does a solid for Andrew Hammond by finding him an NHL home. Um, it was you know it's it's not easy being a journeyman goaltender. I can't imagine. So um, you know it, it showed a lot of of what Andrew Hammond is made of to come into Montreal. He I think he won both his starts, and then just okay I got hurt and then okay I'm traded. Um, so one more trade to talk about. This one took forever to go through, and I'll explain why that was, because I think it might have been unclear to some people. So Brett Kulak goes to Edmonton, who was looking for uh, help on defense. 
for William Legison, a uh, 26-year-old defenseman who's under contract for the rest of the year. Um, I believe he has the chance to be a uh, Group 6 free agent, which means if he doesn't play a certain amount of games in Montreal before the season ends, he becomes a UFA as opposed to an RFA. I, I may be wrong there. Um, so William Legison, a 7th rounder in 2024. And a conditional second in this upcoming draft, 2022. Now, why this took so long? So we were told that this trade was happening like some point early afternoon. Probably, I think it was a little bit before Lackanen was traded. Um, and essentially what the holdup was, so I'll try to quickly go through the process. of. I, I heard this from the CJ show, the Chris Johnson show on the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. A trade call works like this. So two teams have to, before 3 p.m., they have to have some kind of email to league registry saying, we have a trade between Montreal and Edmonton. What then happens, as long as that is into central registry before 3 o'clock, the trade call can happen afterwards. And the trade call is the league sets up a call between two between both parties. They work through, They announce what they're trading. It gets all written down. And the league essentially just runs through each asset and makes sure that they are actually legally allowed to trade it. Um, whether it's, you know, the, the roster constraints, like, do you have too many people on the, uh, do you have too many active contracts on your roster? You can have up to 50 within your organization. I think it's 23 players on the active roster. This draft pick, are you trading? Are you actually allowed to trade it? Are there conditions on this pick that would make it impossible to trade? And I think that's where the hangup was. So the reason it's a conditional 2022 second is because I believe the Oilers have a condition on the pick that they sent to Chicago for Duncan Keith, where if the Oilers make it to the Stanley Cup final, the Oilers send their 2022 second round pick to Chicago. So essentially, if that happens, the Canadians will get their their the Canadians will get the Oilers pick in 2023 not this year why that took so long for them to iron out i don't know i think it was just a lot of it was backlog in central registry too at one point after three o'clock someone with the columbus blue jackets um reporters asked yarmo kekalainen about you know the trade deadline or everything like that and he he essentially said that there were still 33 trades um in the queue for at central registry. So there was just a lot of backlog as I'm recording this. I think there's still stuff that's in the backlog. Um, yeah, Chris Johnson tweeted it's 5:28 PM, nearly two hours, two and a half hours post deadline. And there are still teams on hold with NHL central registry to have their trades approved. So there's still stuff happening. Um, you know, I, 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 as far as the value for this trade goes, it's really good. They they get a second round pick for for Brett Kulak, who I really liked. I think I would have been fine if they kept Brett Kulak, but I also understand that when you're facing getting two draft picks, one of them a second, and a roster defenseman back, you kind of have to take that deal. Um, what's nice about this for Brett Kulak? He goes out west. He has family in Alberta. He's from Alberta. Um, remember, he was a flame way back when. Um, when the Canadians traded for him, got him out of their AHL team. He came up through Laval. I mean, he played a little bit in Laval. Um, so they again, that's another player that I think they kind of do right by. 
Um, I think they also found the best deal available, but they do right by the player at the same time. It hurts nobody. Um, Brett Kulak's last memory as a Canadian, though, has to be pretty sweet. He absolutely danced an Ottawa Senator for a goal on Saturday night. Um, I, again, I think the value is just good enough where you can't say no to that deal. Um, and he he's a little easier to let go of just because he is a pending UFA. Um, you have you they would have had to have worked out a contract extension. I imagine they had those conversations, and maybe the number was just in a spot where they didn't like it. We'll see. In the open market this summer, I doubt Brett Kulak is one of the first guys to sign on free agency day, but, you know, stranger things have happened. So, you know, I, I before we get to the grades, I do want to talk, you know, I'll go back on the Lekadin thing. Like, you know, it's going to be hard over the next few years. There's going to be guys going out of this roster who we like. Um, I don't think there's a ton of safe guys on this roster. The Canadians are trying to deal Shea Weber's cap hit. We know that. He um Ken Hughes said they got close, but nothing nothing was official, so you know it's 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 not it's not close by his estimation. Um th- this isn't going to be easy the rest of this. Um the the Lekkonen trade hurts. It's hard it's hard to look at that. Um, you know, I almost would have preferred him to leave as a free agent. Just the feeling, anyway. The return is too good. I understand that. I'm not going to say no to the the return that they got for him. But there's a lot. There's a lot. Of, like the losing, I think is is not even the hardest part of all of this. It's the the memories that we made over the last calendar year or so. Like it. That's the stuff that's going to be hard to move on from. And you know, the way I'm looking at it is maybe the the. One of these second round picks that they draft that they got, they draft a player who scores that next goal that sends them to the Stanley Cup final. That has to be the mentality moving forward, at least for us as fans. Like it's it's real easy to just sit here and count draft picks, be like, ooh, look at this, look at this value, and, and you know, put them on a chart and and grade the value against other players or whatever. And that's all well and good, but like that's not why I'm a fan of hockey. Like I that playoff run last year was the most fun I've had as a hockey fan in my entire life. Nothing nothing even comes close to it. I want to get there again and I want to stay there. I want the Canadians to get into that that you know every year where where someone else has the opportunity to to be the next Arturi Lekkinen. Every year someone has the opportunity to score that goal to send the Canadians to the to the Stanley Cup final. So, you know, there's 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 pain coming. I think Mike Babcock used to say. I I don't think that that's not that 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 has to be the way that we're looking at this. Um, but it doesn't mean that you know the Canadians are doing poorly. I to get to the grading section. I don't like grades. I was reading one of the the Athletic does trade grades where they give them a letter grade. I don't think the trade deadline is that. I think it's pass fail. Did you do what you set out to do today? And I think for Kent Hughes, the resounding answer is yeah. He he had plans for these players. He was not going to trade Arturi Lackanen and Brett Kulak unless he got the return that he felt was right. And like he said on Lackanen, at 1 o'clock, they didn't think they were trading him. And things change quickly in this league because at, you know, at 2.30, he was, he was gone. 
So I give I I give him a pass for the day. I think Kent Hughes did very well. And now you know it's it's we're seeing how they prepare for the draft. They have to continue to prepare for the draft. There's not really a ton of movement that's going to be made between now and and the end of the regular season. After the season ends, obviously teams can make trades. Um, you know, even while the playoffs are going on, non-playoff teams make trades all the time. So that's that remains to be seen. Um, but I, again, for the trade deadline itself, just the day, I'm not counting the Sherratt trade or anything before that, just the three trades that he made today, I give him a thumbs up, not only from a hockey perspective, but especially in the, 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 the Andrew Hammond trade in the, the person perspective, I think he does very well there. Um, I think that's all I got today. I don't know what next week's topic is going to be. Maybe I'll ask you guys. Um, thanks for listening. If you like this, please share it. Tell your friends, the more the merrier. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at maybe it's Ian. Permanently blocked by Max Domi, I must I might add. I found that out today. Friend of the show uh, at Scott Matla messaged me with a quote tweet that had that was quoting Max Domi, and I tried to look at it. I said, "Who are they quote tweeting?" And he said, "Max Domi." I said, "Oh, that person has me blocked. That's fun." So. Uh, Max Domi has blocked me, so that's cool. It's cool. It's cool to add to the comment card. Oh, Scott Matla also wanted me to ask, um, <laughs> which NHL general manager is most likely to coconut maul someone else? For those who don't know, coconut mauling is like the video game nerd equivalent of, um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Uh, Rick rolling. But coconut maul is a level in Mario Kart, and the song turned into a meme somehow, and. You know, maybe I'm biased as a as a Canadians fan, but I think the answer after watching him, this was before the Sherratt trade that, that Scott asked me this, but after absolutely fleecing the Florida Panthers in the Ben Sherratt trade, um, it's got to be Kent Hughes. He coconut mauled the hell out of them. So Kent Hughes, Mario Kart enjoyer. I don't know if that's true. Maybe he's played. All right, that's enough. And maybe it's Ian for me at Rabbit Habs for the blog. Um Read the description for a link to Fred Mug. His music is playing right now. Go listen to his stuff on his Bandcamp page. All right, I'll be back next week. See you guys. Bye.